Welcome, my friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you. Adam McManus, our host for the Worldview in 5 Minutes, is our co-host on this edition of the program. And today we want to talk about the tyranny creep that's happening in America. And there's a particular a, form of tyranny that we want to look at as well. What a well. great phrase, tyranny creep. I love it. Tyranny creep. You like that? Uh, yeah, is that is that original with you? Yeah, I believe so. Well, I don't know. I just came up with it. You, I don't know. I'm sure somebody else has come up with it. You come up with all kinds of great phrases. Tyranny creep. Okay. Yeah. Well, the thing is, we've seen creep. And I think it's it's a lot like, you know, we are a lot like the frogs in the slowly boiling water as the water is reaching 211 degrees. And you get a degree up in about every year or so. So, you know, if if, if the temperature of the water is moving up one degree over a period of a year, the frogs will hardly take note. Exactly. It will be over before we know it. I think the Polaroid snapshot of the conversation your sister had with the lady at church gives a fantastic and very important perspective on America that we all need to be reminded of. Yeah, I was telling you about this off air, but yeah, my sister runs into this lady who gets, you know, some kind of amnesty from communist Poland back in the 70s and 80s, and she and her family escaped communist Poland. It came to the U.S. after a year as refugees, and she said this to my sister. She said, you know what? What's happening in the U.S. right now is worse than the way it was in communist Poland. Now, we've heard this story before from a North Korean refugee and I'm sure many others. I've heard it from the Russians uh, who escaped from uh, Soviet, the Soviet Union, the communism that uh, made life so miserable for so many hundreds of millions of people for so many years. Same thing is happening here. Can you believe that? I mean, it's just it just seems surreal that America is turning into something so evil. We are seeing our freedoms eroded most dramatically through the shutdowns from COVID where the political quote-unquote progressives slash liberals slash leftists are taking our rights away from us at every turn. Even though people like you and I and the listeners to this podcast have our eyes peeled back wide open, we do get too comfortable with this assault on our freedoms. And we don't notice the dramatic shift as much as an outsider who comes from a former communist country. And it's shocking, and it's important to listen to their plea, isn't it? It sure is. And, uh, you know, here's another indication of the tyranny creep that's going on in our country right now, Adam. Uh, Wichita is considering a non-discrimination law against religious liberty, and apparently they haven't decided yet. They postponed it until October 12th. That's the date the uh, city council will make the decision on whether to put the screws on Christian businesses and anybody doesn't want to promote sexual uh, deviance or gender deviance. Uh, apparently they are weighing whether to attach a non-discrimination ordinance uh, to hiring, firing, etc. in Wichita, Kansas. And including both sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes. Now, there are plenty of pastors and uh, Christian leaders who were testifying against this kind of thing. But the pressure on state and local governments to incorporate these non-discrimination rules is just phenomenal right now. 
according to Jonathan Scruggs, who's senior counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom, referring to this particular Wichita uh, ordinance, he said, you see a slow march towards the number of these cities increasing and their scope increasing substantially across America. So, again, huge concerns right now. And to me, the concern is that Wichita's arguably the most conservative medium-sized city in America. They went 54-43 for Trump in the 2020 elections, which means it's got to be the most conservative city in America. They're going for an ordinance, or they're considering an ordinance, and pretty seriously considering an ordinance, to put the screws on Christian businesses to force them to celebrate homosexuality. Kevin, when I came to San Antonio, Texas in 1997 and worked for 13 years as a daily Christian radio talk show host on a Salem Communications affiliate, KSLR, three-hour daily show, early on in that season in my life, we in San Antonio had this non-discrimination ordinance come up in our city council. And for almost three hours a day for three weeks solid, I was ranting and raving about the importance of speaking out, calling the city council, calling the mayor, showing up at the city council hearings, speaking, emailing, calling, writing letters, uh, lining up with picket signs, doing everything we could. And of course, because we spoke out, we were labeled every name in the book, homophobic, not at that time transphobic, because that really wasn't a thing on the public radar screen at that point, but certainly called hateful for merely wanting to affirm God-given morality when it comes to sexuality and marriage. And one of the things that people forget is that when these kinds of so-called non-discrimination ordinances pass in city councils, it results in taxpayer funding for city council employees to have health care benefits for their homosexual live-in lovers. That is such a terrible misuse of tax dollars, in my view, and not what the people really want. And yet, sadly... In San Antonio, we lost the battle, and they and they passed it. And, and we made a big deal also about sexual orientation versus sexual preference. This is not something you're born with. This is something that is a preference. This is something that perhaps is influenced by environment, but it is something that is ultimately a choice, and it's a choice to sin, and God will hold us accountable if we pass such an ordinance. And I'm glad that in Wichita, Kansas, their city council meeting was just as packed as ours. And I think what a terrible example for the children. This particular story notes that a racial hornbaker and her 10-year-old daughter attended the council meeting and earlier had a prayer meeting in front of the city hall. They said, look, we're concerned about the environment that is being created for our students to work upon their graduation. And one of them uh, said, when you start saying that business owners who try to walk out that faith, that Christian faith will be penalized if they act upon their personal convictions, I feel that's not in line with our Constitution, our declaration. And it reminds me of the Washington florist, Baronel Stutzman, who just was not heard, sadly, by the Supreme Court. She denied the flowers 
requested for the faux wedding of a same-sex couple. We're seeing Christians lose these cases left and right because of ordinances like this, and they've passed in 20 states now. Well, it's both the celebration of perversions and uh, the rise of tyranny and the abridgment of religious liberties. Uh, Obviously, any businessman or businesswoman should have the right to decide what she does, what he does with his own finances. That's just basic free enterprise stuff. But uh, sadly, all of that's going out the window in almost every city in America. It's the inevitable flow of the zeitgeist guys now blowing like a hurricane across the western world sodom and gomorrah everywhere including san antonio denver and probably wichita kansas depending on what happens in october the last few christians need to take a stand against it i don't know if god will destroy every city or every nation in the western world hard to say ultimately god will judge brimstone and fire probably inevitability in most of these places. I'm hoping there will be some sanctuary cities or maybe a sanctuary nation somewhere in the world within the next 30 to 40 years. Be back with more in just a moment on the Generations Broadcast. Ever since the creation of the Garden of Eden, Satan has been working his hardest to erase the knowledge of God and seduce the creatures made in God's image to think that they are the center of the universe. One look at today's society and you see his progress. Humanistic thought has inundated our culture and we can trace its roots directly back to the classroom and the textbooks we're setting in front of our kids. That's why every Christian homeschool parent should have a curriculum that's not only rock-solid academically, but most importantly will point students back to their Creator as the source of all wisdom and knowledge, and to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If you've been struggling to find such a curriculum, look no further. Here at Generations, we've spent over 15 years developing our Christian discipleship curriculum to help Christian homeschool parents like you pass on the faith to your children by teaching a God-centered view of life and integrating the Bible into every lesson. Our goal is to not only help you meet your students' academic needs, but also to assist you in discipling your children for generations to come. So get started today with our Christian Discipleship Curriculum and watch your children marvel, learn, and mature as they embark on a God-focused learning adventure to discover more about the world around them and the one who made it all. You can learn more about our curriculum resources and pick up our newly released 5th grade curriculum pack today at generations.org slash curriculum. That's generations.org slash curriculum. Welcome back to the Generations Broadcast, Tyranny Creep, on this edition of the program. And yes, we're seeing tyranny creep. And indeed, last year was one major step for tyranny in America, as many of you know, who've been listening to the program for a very long time. We have seen governments increase from roughly 5, 6, 7% of the GNI at the turn of the 20th century to upwards of the 40 percentiles in the 1990s and on into the thousands. And then just last year, Governments at all level in America have now topped 50%, now some 53% of the GNI consumed by governments at the federal, state, and local levels. So now we've seen the total uh, totalitarianism of American governments 
and that in just the last year. This this has been the, the point at which all of the socialists, the communists, the Marxists, have been working towards for nigh into 160 years, bringing the most free nation in the world down to its knees and creating a draconian state. And that's where we are today, thanks to COVID-19, uh, putting the totalitarians over the final lap and enabling them to a totalitarian government in one of the last free countries in the world. That all happened in just the last year. Well, COVID turns out to become a major pretext for government involvement in your life and for the breakdown of the First Amendment of all things. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. I think that just happened last year, Adam. I think it did. George Farmer, the CEO of Parler, which is kind of the new Facebook, put out a fascinating column in which he said, and this disturbed me because I was not aware of it until you sent this to me. The White House has now admitted to monitoring private citizens' Facebook pages and asking Facebook, big tech, to block content it finds objectionable. Silencing debate, says George Farmer, keeping tabs on private citizens, and creating lists of individuals who dare to disagree with the government, these tactics are better left to totalitarian regimes. Talk about tyranny creep. The White House, says George Farmer, and the big tech platforms have provided the same justifications for their censorship, that the content they seek to block is so-called misinformation, and it deviates from the settled science on COVID. And that's what this is coming down to, this notion of what is quote-unquote settled science. I love what the late author and columnist Dr. Charles Krauthammer said, and he was a, uh, a trained physician. He said, quote, there is nothing more anti-scientific than the very idea that science is settled, static, and impervious to challenge, end quote. What a brilliant quotation that is. Mm. Mm. Well, it's really, really hard to break down the First Amendment. That's what makes this so impressive. You have 200 years plus of a Bill of Rights, a First Amendment held sacrosanct by so many institutions in America, all the way up to the Supreme Court of the United States, uh, Western liberties hard won over 800 years, but now turn everything into a crisis, a national emergency. And if we're always in emergency, maybe then we could break down the First Amendment. I think that's the way the socialists are thinking through this. The totalitarians are going to use the crisis for the pretext. And that's what's going on here, Adam. And And what's interesting also is at this point, I think as you mentioned, it's the COVID 19 issue it's it's the way in which the government is interpreting and reacting to COVID 19 that becomes the number one doctrine of orthodoxy that cannot be contravened or contradicted at all by anybody and so if there's going to be an abridgment to the first amendment to the u.s constitution it's going to be on this issue of the covid shot the covid covid is worth shutting down the world economy and the covid shot is America's salvation. Okay, that that statement is the number one most basic and fundamental doctrine of American religion, of American statism. That's it. COVID is worth shutting down the world economy, and the COVID shot is America's salvation. 
I think that's it. Beyond woke, beyond LGBT, beyond everything, this is the thing governments want you to believe. And nobody is going to make it onto YouTube or nobody is going to make it onto Facebook to contravene the official statement of the U.S. government on that issue. I think of Saul Alinsky, the communist organizer in Chicago who was a mentor to former President Barack Obama, who said, never waste a crisis. Ultimately, his point was, the goal is not to solve the crisis. The goal is to manipulate and use and exploit the crisis. In this case, we have a challenge with COVID, and the government, the leftists in government in particular, are going to exploit it to increase government control over our lives and to minimize our freedom of speech and attack the First Amendment and also to fund whatever they want under the guise of, quote-unquote, protecting the people and saving lives. Well, this Babel government has a lot running on this particular thing, this COVID thing. I, I really think they, 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 they put a lot of their you know, effort, their their commitment to totalitarianism on this particular issue more than anything else. They want you to believe the severity of it as they've explained it. They want you to believe the cure for it, which they have promoted with all of their power and influence at their disposal. The emperor's new clothes propaganda machine just simply cannot afford to slip on this one. No, no slight departure from the orthodox position we tolerated even a tiny little bit. That's what we're seeing, isn't it, Adam? <laughs> Is that the new term for the White House press secretary, Jen Psaki? She's the, the emperor without clothes information department. <laughs> That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. See, COVID science isn't science. It's politicized science. It's science manipulated for political reasons. Not the first time that's happened. Think global warming. Think of these other uh, ways in which science has been used to aggrandize powerful governments. It's, but it's, this is the new science. It's the destruction of science, but it's the new science. Interesting article from the City Journal. Uh, John Tierney writes this uh, excellent article called The Panic Pandemic. And I'd recommend it to anybody interested in you know, getting a full picture of what's happening and uh, and a very accurate summary of the issues at stake. I, I really think this is the best article I have seen thus far on the entire COVID experience of the last year and a half. This it's is John brilliant. Tierney, The Panic Pandemic. He looks at two veteran science writers, Gene Lenzer and Shannon Brownlee, who published an article in Scientific American decrying the politicization of COVID research. Those two authors point out that the death rate, the fatality rate, is only 0.2% among people not living in institutions. Most of those who skewed that were in nursing homes. That was published in the Scientific American. Not surprisingly, shortly afterwards, that same medical journal literally repented of that publishing of the article by publishing an editor's note that essentially repudiated their article and took issue with what they had initially pointed out, claiming that they must have lost their heads in allowing this to be published. But John Tierney, author of The Panic Pandemic in the City Journal, goes on to say that Stefan Beryl, 
B-A-R-A-L, an epidemiologist at Johns Hopkins University with 350 publications to his name. I mean, this is no lightweight. 350 publications to his name submitted a critique of the COVID lockdowns to more than 10 scientific journals, finally gave up. He said it was the first time, quote, in my career that I could not get a piece placed anywhere, end quote. And what he had said was, that this thing is being politicized. Yeah, that's that, that's the whole point of this article from John Tierney is that you know some of the most brilliant scientists in the country are being slammed. There is no discussion allowed. There is and censored. There is no opportunity for uh, scientific criticism or critique. Uh, there just simply is no opportunity to de- to determine whether or not the data is any good. There is no cross-checking of the data anymore. It just doesn't matter because the science has been politicized. He says the most reviled heretic was Scott Atlas, a medical doctor and health policy analyst at Stanford's Hoover Institution. He, too, urged focused protection on nursing homes and calculated that the medical, social, and economic disruptions of the lockdowns would cost more years of life than the coronavirus – When he joined the White House Coronavirus Task Force, Bill Gates derided him as the Stanford guy with no background promoting crackpot theories. Nearly 100 members of Stanford's faculty signed a letter denouncing his falsehoods and misrepresentations of science. And an editorial at the Stanford Daily urged the university to sever its ties to Hoover. The Stanford faculty Senate overwhelmingly voted to condemn Atlas's actions to as, quote, listen to this, anathema to our community, our values and our belief that we should use knowledge for good. This sounds like a kangaroo court in some kind of a weird religious institution anathematizing a science scientist was just producing a typical science scientific analysis or critique of some other science but apparently that's not allowed in the scientific community anymore I mean, the whole point of these scientific journals is to have a good, robust, rigorous debate about the evidence and what does it suggest? What conclusions can you draw? This is just like they're acting at uh, Stanford, the faculty who overwhelmingly voted to condemn this man who said this is a politicization. They're acting like a cult. Like they're cult members, like they're in, you know, the Church of Scientology or something. You know, it's irrational. It certainly isn't a scientific, detached, thoughtful analysis of the data. That's You're not getting that anymore. In fact, as I look at articles on the Internet, most are not worthy of any attention whatsoever, especially when it comes to the COVID-19 question. Um, and and there, then there was some data that was collected by the Stanford group that really did analyze the fatality rate among the infected in the county and turns out to be about 0.2%, twice as high as the flu. And that data I've been quoting for about a year now, or a year and a half at this point, when I first saw the data in April of last year, uh, hardly anybody will quote that data. Hardly anybody refers to real data as in taking a sampling of those people infected by a disease And then getting the percentage of people who died from it, you don't get that quotient very often anywhere in the news today. Why? Because, well, it's irrationality. It's anti-science that runs the scientific community (laughs) these days. Now, why the panic here? John Tierney summarizes the article here towards the end. He says, here's why the panic. He calls it the elite 
panicking. And he says there's a panic going on because, number one, the crisis crisis, the incessant state of alarm fomented by journalists and politicians. It's a longstanding problem. Humanity was supposedly doomed in the last century by the population crisis, the energy crisis that has dramatically worsened with the cable and digital competition for ratings, clicks, and retweets. To keep audiences frightened around the clock, journalists seek out Cassandras with their own incentives for fear-mongering, politicians, bureaucrats, activists, academics, assorted experts who gain publicity, prestige, funding, and power during a crisis. That's number one. Number two, he says, second reason for the panic is the second pathology underlying the elite's COVID panic is the politicization of research, what I have termed the left's war on science. Another long-standing problem that has gotten much worse, just as the progressives a century ago yearned for a nation directed by expert social engineers, scientific high priests, unconstrained by voters and public opinion. Today's progressives want sweeping new powers for politicians and bureaucrats who believe in science, meaning that they use the less version of science to justify their edicts. And that's it. I call it the prostitution of science for the aggrandizement of the state. That's it, my friends. It's the prostitution of science. It's the politicization of science. It is the undoing of science. It is the destruction of science. And we deal with this at length in my book, Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West. I have an entire chapter on the rise and fall of Western science. And I would encourage you to update yourself as to the decline and the fall of Western civilization. You need to read the story in Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West. Well, my friends, that wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast. I encourage you to a copy of the book Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West, and The Rise and Fall of Western Science. And that's available at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson and Adam McManus, and we invite you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation. 